0: An interesting series on Philippians. Uh, we have a, a, a fun few weeks ahead, diving into this book. And, and imagine yourself showing up to Bonnie Lake, having the challenge from God to share Jesus with everyone and anyone. And there's not one single person who's ever heard has any notion or idea that there is a Savior. Not a one. There's no existing churches. There's not even other faiths that kind of point towards a Savior. Nothing. Only idol worship, Roman God worships, uh, even still practices of human sacrificing are going on, and you show up, and you can't find a place to share. You can't find... Uh, anyone who wants to start the conversation yet, and you have to just figure out, where do I begin? Well, the author of Philippians, Paul, finds himself in that scenario. He shows up, no preexisting, uh, pre-existing knowledge whatsoever of Jesus. And he comes to share the message of God sending a savior in his own son to give his life and to raise again three days later that they could have life eternally. And he finds the only place he can to share it and it's by a riverbank. And he just starts sharing the gospel with whoever will start a conversation with him. That's the scenario that begins this church in Philippi. That's how the story of faith begins for them. And he helped people grow in their relationship with Jesus, one person after another. They went through growth track, discovered their spiritual gifts and where they serve best. I'm just kidding. They really didn't do that. But. And then uh, they start to grow the church themselves. When he sees that happen, he continues on his, his journey to share the gospel with anyone God will lead him to and leaves the church in the care of the followers of Jesus. What a story. And this is a book of him writing back to them. And uh, he he starts it like this, Philippians one, one through two says, this letter is from Paul and Timothy. That's Paul's disciple, Timothy, that's with him. Slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi, who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Paul finds himself when he's writing this in prison. He's in prison writing to his church, who's a little worried and concerned about the fact that he is in prison, so much so that they have sent someone to kind of connect with him that actually brings back this letter with Timothy. And so Paul's writing to the church in Philippi. He's writing to now what has become a church. Not just like, it's easy to read this and go, oh yeah, it's like if I was gone and I wrote a letter to open life. No, 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 no. This is like if I've been gone and write a letter to the church. Everybody who follows Jesus in Bonnie Lake so they can all be on the same page as to how they're an example of Jesus to the community. That's what's being written, a challenge to the entire church. Many he's never met because the church has continued to grow without his presence. But yet he loves them and he prays for them just the same. Sometimes studying scripture and like diving in as a, as a pastor, it's one of the benefits, I think, because you're probably not, I, I doubt this week, maybe you did, but I highly doubt you just grabbed a book of the Bible and thought, I'm going to study a few commentaries on this book. This sounds fun and enjoyable. I have nothing else to do. Sunny outside, but I'm going to lock myself in a room with a bunch of software that'll show me all the context of a scripture passage. Probably not, But the fun thing about it is, that I get to do that, and sometimes you read something that's amazing. And I just love how it's worded in this. It's called A Handbook on Paul's Letters to Philippians. Good name for a commentary. And the phraseology here is awesome, how it it shows even the gospel within the greeting of Philippians. And it says this, um, the phrase grace and peace Combining the Christian concept of grace with the Jewish view of peace, both terms either related to or involved in, or involved in standard greetings. It's a formula often used in the early Christian greeting, grace expresses God's love to sinful people who do not deserve love, the love manifested in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. and peace, in this context means not simply an absence of troubles or anxieties but a state of total well-being a wholeness of life resulting from forgiveness of sins and reconciliation to god through jesus the ultimate source of grace and peace is obviously god whom jesus revealed as abba father but To the extent that such blessing is made possible only through Jesus, who is confessed as Messiah, Christ, the anointed king, and exalted as Lord by the resurrection, he too is to be acclaimed as the giver of grace and peace. All from a greeting, grace and peace to you, right? And it's like, yeah, grace and peace. Wow, that totally makes the gospel known. There's so much behind what we read and can just skim past in Scripture, isn't there? Jesus is the giver of grace and peace, the source of life, and full of every single, I I mean, we just, every single ounce of God's love is extended to us through Jesus. And so as sinners, we have grace. As followers of Jesus, we have peace. And all this from a greeting. The encouragement from reading through an entire book and preaching through an entire book is unique. This is why we do it. Open Life believes in preaching through a book, and we try to do it every year. And one of the most encouraging things about it is there are times in our faith when we don't know what we need. It's like we get to a place where it's easy to share kind of our pet subjects or what. Our felt needs are. Man, we have these felt needs in our world today, so we should preach a series on this. But going through the book of the Bible, we discover things we didn't know we needed, but we need. Does that make sense? It's like, oh my goodness, I had no idea that that would be needed right now at this point in time when we planned at the beginning of the year to do Philippians right now. That's why we love preaching through the book of the Bible, like in series like this, because maybe you need grace right now. Maybe that's the place you found yourself, as. I need the grace for, for the, the sin that I've slipped back into. Or maybe you're finding yourself in anxious moments and fear, school year's coming, anxieties are high, and it's like I need this peace you speak of, right? Wherever we find ourselves, God is faithful and he'll give us content to grow from, and uh, I don't know, I just I hope it encourages you like it encourages us as we dive into Philippians. So we're gonna get to the rest of it. Here we go for today. Philippians 1, 3 through 11 says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day Christ returns. May you always be filled with the fruit of salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. That's some solid stuff right there. We have a couple thoughts about it, but uh, um, the reality is we think Philippians is challenging us to discover that, that living as a Christian means seeing our own story as a living expression of Jesus story we are a living expression of Jesus story I guess the question would be how is the transforming power of personally knowing Jesus impacting the understanding of Jesus in the world around you how is your relationship with Jesus impacting your blast radius if you will put in Bob Goff language The big idea today is God is continuing a good work in you. God's work in you. He's continuing it. It says there in verse 6, I'm certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Literally speaking of the return of Christ from heaven. God will do the work. I think that's interesting, and you got to catch that. It doesn't say that you've started working and you need to work harder. It says God will continue the work. Don't work harder. Trust the hard work that's going on inside you, right? I think sometimes we will work so hard to maybe earn this relationship that already exists through love through the love of God, he sent his son. It's already been done. There's a work in you as you embrace that understanding that has begun. God's working in you. We need to trust that he's working in us. And maybe that's what you need to hear today It's to not turn back, not get discouraged, not walk away because we get discouraged of our own faithfulness, but in reality, it's God's faithfulness at work within us that we need to be resting in. 2 Corinthians 9:13 says As a result of your ministry they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ The church had just sent a gracious offering, and and it astonished Paul, the author here as well, and he just wants to say, your ministry is making a difference, like your ministry is impacting people way beyond what you can comprehend. The good news began with the good news of salvation, and it continues through the follower of Jesus, and he's trying to make that known to multiple churches, multiple communities that he shared the gospel The work that came to you is continuing through you. We need to trust it. And we need to be active within it. Right? We need to be active in sharing what is referred to here as good news. Same commentary, a handbook on Paul's letter says this. Good news itself refers to the salvation that God has made possible through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The word appears nine times in Philippians and is used in a variety of ways. It is the message about Jesus Christ that is proclaimed, defended, promoted, spread, and advanced. It is also the standard of Christian living and the basis of all faith. The phrase in this context is not a reference to the Philippians sharing and accepting Paul's preaching, but rather to their active participation in the work of the gospel. It may therefore be expressed as In proclaiming the good news to others or in the telling of the good news to others. Paul's literally saying, man, it's so cool to see the progress of the faith through you. And I love it. My heart is drawn in joyful remembrance of these stories I'm hearing. And and again, Philippians had sent a messenger to check on Paul in prison to see how he was doing. And he's sharing with him these stories that then in turn results in Paul writing. He's overwhelmed with joy. And I know this feeling. It's one of those things after 20 some years of ministry, I know this feeling. I could open up a, an Instagram post or a Facebook post and, and see someone, Ryan Brewer, for instance, I'll grab uh, some names off the top of my head here, leading a youth ministry at New Life in, in uh, the peninsula. Hundreds of students gathering for camps, he's sharing, he's doing crazy stuff and and, and just leading uh, multiple dozens of leaders and and, uh, serving the youth culture over there and you're just like, you see those pictures and go, thank you, Lord, that I had a season of sowing into his life. I mean, I can pray for him with all joy. Tony Mitchell started a church in Spokane Valley, serving it going from meeting in a school to building out some retail fronts. I had a chance to go speak at his church earlier this year and just like, you're working your tail off for the gospel, Tony. Yes. When I pray for him, there's just this. This guy you may know, his name's Jaden Haynes, who I've known since he was like. He's still tall, I think. But anyway, when he was in junior high, watching his faith grow and lead uh, it, here at Open Life. It's like, come on. This is just, when I pray for his family, I pray with joy out of years of observation. Six years ago, we met a kid in the red light district of Surabaya, Indonesia when the Huff family last went to Indonesia. And, and when we went back just a month ago and were, were sharing in a school and in an orphanage, this same kid, Stefanos, Stephen, It's what I call him because I'm American. Uh, I was like, they all call him Steph, Puck Steph or something weird. But I I was just like, Stephen, what's up, you know? I saw his face the first Sunday. I'm like, that's the kid. That's the kid we met in the red light district that was just starting a discipleship program. They're trying to show him the gospel and reveal the gospel to him. Now he's in university. And serving the ministry of ICA to other communities, outreach communities. And when we were doing stuff at the elementary school and at the orphanage, he was our translator. Man, what joy. I wasn't even part of that labor. Just a part of the story, a little piece of that story. What joy. I don't know. It's not just those in ministry, though. I get joy from from seeing stories unfold here, watching people care for one another, watching people take up the, the, the burdens of the community, watching Molly chase after supporting the Jansen family and, and, and jumping into doing a meetup as a walk on October 5th, and you're just going, yes, I pray for all joy, for the labor that is coming through people in our midst. I pray for all joy when your neighbors start hearing the gospel through you. It's just cool to watch from a, from a distance, to watch your sons and daughters be active in ministry at school and challenge them to live a life that is open to sharing the gospel. That's what Paul's talking about, is seeing an active church, not just on Sunday, not just attendance, An active church in community, serving, making a difference. It's beautiful. And it does give us a picture of new life in Christ and share with the community a picture of love and life in Christ. And when you get to the end of life, I just have to believe you're not going to look back and remember the little trophies or buttons or pins that you got at work. You're not gonna remember the the camping trip unless something weird happened, like it rained real hard and you were floating in the morning. That has happened to us. Uh, unless you, uh, you know, you're going to, you're not gonna remember the little moments. You're gonna remember the lives you crossed paths with, and those who up to those who show up to celebrate your life are gonna be those whose lives you lives you crossed paths with. And you're gonna go, man, that was my most worthy investment. The ministry of life on life, people, leading people. And Paul is just trying to draw this picture of of his gratefulness for their impact. You're not gonna remember the games you won or lost. Sorry, Oregon Duck fans. Oh, excuse me. Um, You know? (laughs) That was low. I'm sorry. That was brutal. Go dogs. Uh, the, the, you know, this is the reality is Paul wants our eyes to be open to what really matters. And so we're going to dive in on a couple thoughts that I think will will help us get through what life brings ultimately. And the first thought is our circumstances can cloud the understanding of God's work in us. It's easy for our circumstances to just get in the way of our understanding of what is this good work that's continuing and it will be completed in us. Paul is in prison. It could have been easy for him to just be distracted by his circumstances, but he uses this opportunity to encourage the church. It's unreal. He's literally in chains. And I think we have scenarios that chain us up it could be a diagnosis. It could be something that breathes fear into us. When we were in Indonesia in Bachan, we show up to this island, and, and it was not a prison, but we were stuck there, right? <laughs> I think to one of my daughters, I won't name names Jocelyn, but the... Uh, uh, It felt like a prison instantly when we got there. There was no way out, ultimately. You wanted to get out, but there's no way out. And they tell us there's been 124 earthquakes in the last couple weeks. And here's where you're sleeping. This building could fall down in an earthquake. This glass could fall down and cut you in an earthquake. You're sleeping here. There's one squatty potty with a bucket of water for a shower with pesticides in it. And you're, uh, you know in a tsunami zone, it's a long ways until there's any elevation. Sleep good, you're like, ah! You're overwhelmed. It'd be easy for all of the natural circumstances to have stolen from us the ministry that was before us. So the right decision was, we went into a time of worship and prayer. Maybe it looks a little different here at home, right? You get the wrong class. You get the wrong teacher. You feel like your year is horrible, students. Maybe you didn't get the promotion you thought you were going to get, and you just feel like you're in the prison of your employment. And we can lose sight of the purpose God has us there for. Paul didn't let that get in his way. And he models for us how to look through the circumstances and reflect on The people that you're impacting and reflecting on the bigger picture of our mission here on earth, and that is to make this love of Jesus known to others. From an actual prison, Paul writes these challenges, and the challenge was he wanted them to see his fruit is their fruit and their sharing in his favor. They might have thought his ministry was over. They could have been the Philippian church could have been discouraged about Paul's imprisonment. And he's like, no, "No, no, let me tell you about the fruit though, right?" And I think it's something that's really hard to communicate too to the church today still. It doesn't make sense necessarily. Jaden and I were talking about this this week. It's like it's hard to get across to you that the work of open life when I'm in community and something cool happens, A door opens. The favor of God is displayed. It's hard to express to you, the ministry I'm doing is your ministry. And it's reversely hard to communicate the ministry you're doing is the ministry you're benefiting from. But we have to share our stories so we can understand what work is being done of the gospel through each other's lives. Because we're a family, we're a body, we're the church, right? When open life is thanked at the Sumner Bonnie Lake Convocation this week, it might not seem like a big thing, but that's kind of a big thing from my perspective of the doors of favor that have been earned through your generosity and consistency in serving the school district. When I was approached about a new leadership training for people who desire to engage their community on a deeper level, this week and, and have a couple meetings about that, and you're just going, How am I at this table, Lord? Thank you that you've allowed us to serve so faithfully that they see us as a connector and a resource in the community. That's your ministry, that's your blessing, that's your favor. When a team of us distributed school supplies this Wednesday at Liberty Ridge Elementary, that's your distribution, even if you couldn't make it to serve. That's your generosity bringing glory to God. See how this all works? How it unfolds? You being an incredible employee and serving a, a co worker, that's the ministry of the church active through you, of, of Jesus active through you. Your fruit is our fruit. We have to understand that. And, and Paul's trying to get the church to catch that while he's in prison. Why not stick on focusing on the fruit? Paul wants us to look beyond the chains. So beyond your prison, you can see the grace and peace God offers. He also wants them to see uh, just the opportunities that are ahead and that he was optimistic. And so he writes a letter of of love. And this love is where we're going to dwell on next, right? Thought two, let your love overflow more and more, he says. And he gives these four qualities that we need to really look at in that love, but first, I have a, a Bob Goff quote for you this week. I saw him post on Instagram. Jesus doesn't turn people into Christians. He turns them into love. It's like, ooh, that's some good stuff right there. That's why we give out his books to our first-time guests because that's spot on. He's not into creating church people. He's into making the people, the church, right? And you being active in your faith, sharing his love all throughout community. Have you ever thought, I don't know, I just look and I, I, you look at a a scenario and you thought, man, I've loved fully, and then you realized, oh man, I could love more. Here, the only example I could think of in this, because he's saying let your love grow, is having kids. Being a parent of four children, I was, concerned I'll just be right honest I'll be concerned that uh I had twins initially right and I was when when we were pregnant with the third I'm like I love these two so much can I love the third the same amount like this is crazy this is I was worried like am I gonna spoil the first ones and and not love number two the most and then when number two came and my love grew I was like what and then Boy comes, number four. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to buy new stuff. All we have is girl toys. You know, you're just going, this is going to be crazy. And child number four comes and love increases more and more. That's the only thing I can really, really demonstrate for you. But like, your love can increase. You might be thinking, no, I'm tapped out on love. I've loved as much as I can. Right? Really? You know, I've been in, in three different, four different churches. This is the fourth church in ministry. First church was amazing. The fruit was incredible, right? But I went to another church and craziest thing, I could love the people there too. It's like God expands your vision for the kingdom of God. And then the next church, I loved people there too. So how is your love increasing more and more? God's challenging us that our love would increase. I love First Thessalonians 3, 12. May the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. <laughs> how do we do this? Like, how do we increase our love so much that it would start to allow us to inconvenience our schedules from the normal human? so that we can make space for that love to overflow, so that we can have margin to love people in a way that others just aren't willing to love. And that's why I think he gives us the four things to develop, right? He says knowledge, we need to grow in our our knowledge in order to love well. The Holy Spirit is so amazing at moving in our lives and transforming us that we can often find ourselves content with just showing up at church or just showing up and saying, okay, well, I I made a decision to follow Jesus. I'm good with my knowledge of God. I don't need anything else. But it does leave a lot of space if that's all the relationship we have with God for the enemy to distract us and discourage us. Whatever prison might come, we might not have the knowledge to know God will get me through this. We may be discouraged so quickly. And Paul's like, no, grow your knowledge of the faith. It's okay if you make a decision to follow Jesus out of emotion, but you're going to need to grow your head knowledge of the faith too so that you will not be dissuade. People will not allow you to be tossed to the left and right. Become one who grows your understanding of the gospel. Build deep roots in the faith. Read the word personally. Pray to God personally and watch your knowledge of God grow. Understanding is the second thing we're challenged to grow in. Knowledge and understanding. Some translations would say knowledge and judgment. But I think the New Living Translation decided to avoid that word. Because they know the world we live in, right? Judgment's a bad word. Anyway. But making a right judgment is good. That's what it's talking about. That we would have the understanding to make a right decision. Wisdom. We're praying over one of the schools this week in our community, and I had an opportunity to just, I, the, the, the prayer that kept coming to me as we were praying over the different spaces and leaders within that school, I was just going, you know what? Give wisdom to both the students and the teachers and how they mutually encourage one another and love one another and grow. Wisdom, right judgment, understanding. Understanding both on a feelings and knowledge level of the gospel will help you grow your relationship with Jesus. It'll make you a powerful, powerful vessel for God's love to flow through and impact the world around you. It's the reputation of the gospel here, and sometimes there's a lack of understanding that could damage the gospel if we don't know how To approach a scenario with grace and in peace and love ourselves, and we approach it with maybe a little too much pride, we could do damage to the gospel, can't we, in the community? Oh, that dude's a Christian, and they just treated that person like that, and I just saw it. Oops, right? God wants us to have understanding so that in any moment, we can understand how to be his grace. In his peace. Again, from the wisdom of Bob Goff. This week, which is funny because of this talk. Don't just look smart. Be wise. Right? Be wise. Paul wants you to understand what really matters. What is truly best for your experience. And, and for you to experience all of life and life to the full now. He wants you to experience all of God's peace. And apathy in the faith is not the way to do it. And so he's encouraging them, keep being active in your faith. Keep doing the work of sharing the gospel. Keep this up because that is the road to a life that is truly worth living. And then he challenges them about purity. We need to be pure. Is your mind uncluttered is what's really being spoken of here. Right, it's like have a pure understanding and knowledge. Is your is your mind clear, or are you casting a confusing message out to the world around you? Again, oh yeah, I'm in church on Sunday, but Friday night you'd never know it. Is that the message? Is it is it is it like well, Wait, I thought you said your life was being impacted by this Jesus you're meeting, but then you're treating people like this, or you're living this way, and that's questionable man, maybe the love of God can get into me enough that I'll let him change my behaviors and that the message coming through my life will be a pure, uncluttered message about the grace and peace of Jesus. Paul's going after a wholesome thinking here, right? Uncluttered understanding. He's reminding the followers in Philippi to be active in what really matters in life, loving people. And being an expression of Jesus' love to the world around us. It's a message that not only Paul preached, but Peter preached it. In 2 Peter 3.1, he said, This is my second letter to you, dear friends. And in both of them, I've tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. Like, wake up, church. Right? Right? Peter was trying to make them aware of the difference they can make in the community and Paul's preaching the same message. And finally, not only should we be pure, we should be blameless. Blameless. Philippians 2:14 through 16 says, "Do everything without complaining and arguing," one of the most quoted scriptures by parents ever, right? <laughs> if you haven't memorized that one, do it now. It'll work later when they don't do their chores, right? Hey, do everything without complaining or arguing. Pastor said it this morning, but that's a free one. Verse 15, so that no one can criticize you, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people, hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. What is he speaking of? The people were the work. The people are the work. You are the work of the gospel. And and that's what he's saying. Man, your life will show whether the work is in vain or not. We'll hit on this in a few weeks because we'll preach through those passages in Philippians 2. But this is a repeated message throughout this book and others that Paul writes and Peter writes, John writes. We should be those who are blameless and whose life's expression leaves the world in admiration. Like, in no time like the present should we shine bright. Because, wow, there is a people who are anchored who are grounded, whose God is faithful. I can depend on these people. Honestly, that makes open life shine in the favor we have in the community because we're there. When we say we're there, we'll be there. We're faithful. We show up. We're dependable. And I hope that's your story and those you're trying to share the gospel with around you have a clean message of the gospel through your demonstration, that your life is a pure living expression of Jesus' love to those around you. I just want to close before the action point in reading a segment of a passage here that Peter wrote to the churches he ministered to, and he kind of walks through the progression that happens the same as Paul does here in Philippians that I think is one of those foundational passages and it says this in 2 Peter 1:3 by the divine power God has given us everything we need for loving or for living a godly life. We've received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, not our own work again, right? We're trusting in his good work. Because of his good work, He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promise. Supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence, moral excellence with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with patient endurance, patient endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you'll be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you'll never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Whew. Talk about a road map to loving everyone. Paul wasn't alone in this instruction, and our action point today is, is a challenge, right? to all of us. Our action point is that we should partner in sharing the good news. The fruit of open life is not what happens this fall. What happens when we celebrate 10 years of open life in January? What happens next year when we go back to the Dominican Republic and serve people at the ends of the earth? The story of open life, as according to these scriptures, is what's gonna happen 10 years from now through you. It's gonna be seeing whose life the gospel impacted through your story. Not Thad's story. Not Jaden's story. Your story. Who's found Jesus because you share it? So you go to middle school, some of the students in here, who in your middle school is going to hear the gospel? High school, some of you. Who in your high school is going to hear the gospel? Those of you who commute on the train, who on the train is going to hear the gospel? Ten years from now... Dozens of families knowing Jesus who never heard the name before all because you were so full of love you spoke up and that your life just was like there's something different. There's something bright about the way you live. I want that. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for every neighborhood is that an open lifer would be there, loving well. And that's what I want to pray over you today. God, I thank you that you're challenging each of us to partner in sharing the gospel. It's not just a job for pastors. It's not just a a job for the faithful of the church. It's all of our jobs. The moment we hear about Jesus, we have this opportunity to steward a message of love to the world around us. And they need a pure example of the love of Jesus not one that's convoluted or political or has ulterior motives, but just a genuine love for everyone. And so God, I pray that you would rise that up within us by the power of your Holy Spirit. You say here in the text that it's your work in us that will complete the job before you return. And so I just, I want to pray that we would all be available for your work through us the work of sharing the gospel, the good news that God sent love to this earth and that we get to live it out. What an honor to extend grace and peace to a world that's desperate for it. God, may you use every single solitary one of us this week from those who've been here for the last 10 years to those who walk through the door for the first time today, give us this charge of loving others and let us live a life that's truly worth living by doing it purely, blamelessly, full of knowledge and understanding, very intentional. May our love overflow more and more to the world around us as we partner with you in sharing the gospel. In Jesus' name I pray, amen verse